You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you triathlon freaks and geeks, and welcome to another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon, the podcast where we go long on endurance and learn a little zen to improve ourselves along the way. All right, I am in the Zentri Mobile Studios. I've got some cool updates. We're going to talk about low carb, high fat, low carb. (laughs) And let's see, recovery boots are on their way, I believe. Been talking with Speedhound, the company. Go check them out, Speedhound. Speedhound. Cold. I'm having trouble moving my mouth at uh, speedhound.com. They make recovery boots and some other cool stuff. Going to be working with them. But I guess the first thing I want to start off with is uh, we're going to try another uh, high fat, low carb uh, escapade. And I've done it a bunch of times before and I get mixed results. I mean, it's awesome. It really does work. But then I have trouble sticking with it. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna try something a little bit different this time. And I already tried it this morning and it worked nicely. My little kind of hybrid approach. And the reason I do this stuff is to share with y'all uh, what I do to see uh, what works and what doesn't so that we can uh, share with our friends and figure out stuff that, that uh, might work for you. I'm an experiment monkey like that. But I'm only experimenting so I can actually find out what works for me in the end. <laughs> once, I finally, once I find something that works, I'm going to stick with it. But uh, let's see. I was listening to Triathlon Terran interview. It's Dan. Oh, was it Plues? Dan. Oh, gosh, dang it. It's Dan something. And his last name, it's like P.L. something. And he uh, was on uh, Triathlon Terran's latest podcast uh, as of me recording today on... Let me me check the uh, star date. The 11th, it looks like. About um, this guy set the uh, age group world record in uh, Ironman. He's won half Ironman championships and stuff like that. Um, guy's doing an eight and a half hour Ironman. It's definitely fast enough to be um, pro, but he's a little bit older. He's like 36 and he's already got kids and a job. So he's, he's a doctor, PhD. I think he's a research scientist. And he's like, no, nah, I don't want to go pro. <laughs> and that's an interesting interview in itself. You know, what do you do when you're so fast that age group, age groupers, six, six tips to make you faster Number five, uh, coaches hate him for number five. Anyway, uh, age groupers hate him because he's too fast to be an age grouper, but he's also uh, too well-established to go be a pro in his life. It's too risky because you, you quit everything to go pro and then you get injured and then and then now what? You got to start all over again, especially when you got kids dependent on you. I flirted with that barely at one point uh, in the Olympic distance. But then the, uh, I, I got 
a huge triathlon. I got second in my age group. Uh, and my age group was 35. I think I was 35 years old. And it was really competitive. It had the prize money and everything. I was just a little bit off uh, the person you have to be within whatever percent of the f- fastest finisher. I was just a tiny bit off, and I was like, man. So I came back next year, the next year, to uh, see if I could qualify for my pro card. And uh, at that same race, and they canceled the swim <laughs> or something. They canceled the swim or the bike. Yeah, I think they canceled the swim. And it was uh, not a good race for me because I'd eaten enough. Oh, it's a long story. We're not going to get into all that. But my stomach was too full because I'd eaten before the race to fill up for a, uh, a full race. Not, uh, I think they canceled the bike. The bike course got flooded. So I went from swim to run. And I went from swim, you know, uh, less than 30 minutes or 15 minutes or 20 minutes, whatever it was. And then uh, right into um, running with a stomach that was loaded for biking. And that did not work out all that well. But anyway, let's get back to the basics here. Uh, so I, he doesn't have tons of videos, but he's got some, this this guy. And um, yeah, at Kona, he set the record. Uh, eight and a half hour Ironman. Uh, fastest amateur ever, I guess. And yeah, I'm not sure. What, I think he got top 10 overall, maybe. But... I was like, oh man, let's give this, let's give this uh, high fat, low carb, high fat, high fat, low carb thing another try just for fun. And we'll document it on the podcast. And I thought, let's do it in a different way. Let's see if this works. Instead of completely going, you know, like keto, like no carb and becoming miserable then, and I'm already kind of carb adapted or fat adapted. I mean, I'm definitely carb adapted, kind of fat adapted because I can go a long time on not much and be fine. So I don't really need to do that much, I think, but let's try gradually, gradually inching down to, um, the goal, apparently, is if you're doing less than an hour, an hour or less, uh, no fuel, just water and electrolytes, and if uh, and then eat um, high fat, low carb all day, and then if you are um, doing a longer workout, over two hours, then. Um, like 200 calories per hour, maybe something like that. Uh, not too much. And they want you to do kind of slower carbs. And I guess what we'll do is, uh, we'll gradually, if I get that far, we'll gradually uh, work that way. So let me give you what happened yesterday. So yesterday I said, I listened to this after my swim in the morning. And so I get to work and I'm like, well, I can do that. And I, uh, ate a, uh, a bowl of like this meat and veggies TV dinner. It's called Evol, E-V-O-L. And it's half fat and half uh, veggies and meat. And I was like, well, that's about right. And that's what it's made for. And 
then the rest of the morning I did uh, a little bit of avocado oil avocado oil is so good guys it's so good for you um, so I, I ate like a spoonful of it and I put maybe a spoonful of it in my coffee which does not it doesn't taste bad like olive oil does it just uh, doesn't taste like anything it's actually pretty pretty nice and I noticed you know like I wasn't very hungry and all that and then at lunch I continued on and then I said okay this is what we're gonna do so I'm not miserable we're gonna do low carb high fat until lunch and I did and then the rest of the day I did eating regular and you know just whatever and so that was day one and then day two got up this morning and I had a a couple pieces of provolone cheese when I got up so that's high fat low carb put something in your stomach and then I had some coffee and then in my coffee I put not quite a tablespoon but almost a tablespoon of uh, MCT oil I've, I've got from online I've ordered it on it O-N-N-I-T is the name of the brand emulsified MCT oil so what that does is it's um it's already blended with something so it'll blend instantly with whatever you mix it with so it doesn't float to the top which is pretty smart so i had uh that in my coffee this morning and that was it no 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 i uh i added a a spoon of maple syrup because that's what i've always done but what we're switching from is no cereal before my before my morning workout Right, so we're removing that and replacing that with two slices of provolone cheese instead. The cereal is like granola, so it's like real high carb. And then I uh, did, that's the only thing we're changing. Plus, usually in my running water that I take with me, because I'm running for an hour, I take probably 175 calories of maple syrup and maltodextrin. And I ditched that and in my running water instead I put 110 calories in from a uh, old power gel I had laying around power bar gel or whatever brand it was and put that in my water instead so not didn't quite cut my running calories in half but I cut it by you know uh, more than a third almost almost a half and then I went and ran and I felt amazing, like really, really great, had no problems, but I've, I've done this before, so I was self-conscious not to push too hard. But I ran faster than usual and uh, had a really nice run. And then when I got back in the house, I felt like I needed to fart and I started to fart and it was not a fart. It was don't trust a fart fart, um, but nothing happened. It was just like, just barely. And I was like, oh crap, literally. And, uh, ran to the, uh, to the dumper, (laughs) to the porcelain God, sat on it and then had a, uh, a chocolate fountain, uh, dump. Sorry about that guys. And it was the MCT oil. MCT oil will do that to you. You got to be careful if you're not used to it or if you take too much of it, um, it can give you the runs and that's what happened. But anyway, thumbs up. (laughs) 
except for that last thing. Uh, thumbs up, it's uh, going pretty well. And so what we're gonna do is we're going to gradually ratchet down with like strategies like low carb, high, high fat until noon, you know, and then maybe like extended an hour every day or something like that. And then uh, cut down the carbs in my fuel for workouts, you know, by halves or something like that each time, maybe 50 calories each time, or I don't know, whatever we do uh, so that it's not too much all at once. And it's just gradual, and then you just barely notice it. So that's our strategy right now. And I'm going to be late to W to the ERK if I don't get in there right now. Stay tuned. Hold on. Out. Bang. Hey, hey. I'm in the Zentri Mobile Studios. I might take this recording and put it up more towards the front because it's so chock full of stuff. I don't want to put it at the very end of the show when I'm trying to wrap up the show. Maybe I'll just wedge it in a few minutes in towards the front. Uh, it's, uh, it's after Christmas. It's the Wednesday after Christmas. And I'm leaving the pool. But I haven't recorded since a few days before Christmas because it just got crazy. And I've had like the best worst Christmas. Best as in I got to do some cool stuff. And, I, and also I got some gear to try out from uh, Speedhound. And man, they're... Uh, go check them out. Speedhound. Just Google it. Just Speedhound Triathlon. And man, they're, uh, oh, there's a lady walking a puppy. It's so cute. Uh, their graphics, like their logo type stuff is really, really spot on. You know, it's not too fluoro, fluoro, crazy eighties. It's bright, but it's, man, it's tasteful. It is really, really cool. I dig it. Oh, and by the way, I got stuff sliding around in the car cause we drove all over the place. And now there's loose stuff rolling around in my car, like bike locks, and I can hear it <coughs> rolling around in the back. And let's see, Friday started off, I uh, started feeling a little bit sick, but we'll get into more of that later. And wait, did I start a new recording? I don't know if I started a new recording. I don't want to tack this on to the old one. Oh my God, it needs my face. You don't want to see my face right now. Okay, this is a new recording, yeah. So, I started feeling sick, went to the pool to go swim. Oh, I took the day off from work so I could have an epic day of training, right? And also get it done early. So, an epic morning of training. Took a vacation day. Epic morning of training because we were going to leave late afternoon to go to Tyler mid-afternoon and try to get there before it got dark. It's a three-hour drive to go uh, visit Emily's Emily's family for uh, Christmas. And I get to the pool at 6 a.m. or whatever. And I go to my locker and my lock isn't on it and somebody else's lock is on it. I thought, okay, that's weird. Now you're not supposed to have lockers, overnight lockers at this place, but everybody does it because Everybody wants an overnight locker. I've tried to pay them for one. I've tried to rent one. They won't let you do it. Uh, and this is a Gold's Gym. So after months of dragging stuff in every day, the, uh, this guy next to me said, uh, and he was really nice. He said, oh man, I've, been, uh, I've just been leaving a lock on. Everybody does it. And I was like, really? And 
And, uh, okay. So I had never left anything in there that was like really valuable. But I mean, it's, but after a while you start to kind of trust it. <laughs> and also I've been a member of a bazillion gyms and you see stickers sometimes or notices, hey, we're going to cut locks off if you, um, even Gold's Gym, a different Gold's Gym I used to belong to, we're going to cut locks off on this date if you leave a lock on. So whatever, you know, like notices. And so I'm sitting there looking at this other lock and it's kind of like if you've had your car or bike stolen, let's say car, you just stand there like staring at the empty parking spot. Somebody else is in your parking spot and you're like, where's my car? What's going on? And you're just confused for a while. So I spent the next half hour talking to the front desk and it's not the manager. It's just a guy that's, you know, just there in the morning. He doesn't know what's going on. He says he has no idea and I, I mostly believe him. And uh, I'm like, did they cut my lock? So I go through all the empty lockers, you know, looking for my stuff. It's not there. I'm furious. But practicing Zen, I'm like, instead of being my emotions, I'm watching my emotions. I'm like, now you're furious. Okay, this is interesting. And so it's so cool being in control of yourself. But man, it's also really wild that they say it never ends, you know. Even if you master everything, life still throws unexpected crap at you. And what do you do, you know? You still experience these emotions it's just the best what you learn is to not um let them take over you so i tried to remain calm and like so i had um a bathroom kit that has my initials on it that i got when i was graduating high school it was like really nice and uh it was part of a luggage set um the lock it was a a a nicer lock so the locks like were 10 bucks and then I had uh, bath, uh, you know, uh, chlorine shampoo, toothbrush, toothpaste. I put little um, hooks up in the locker because I've been using it for so long. I put up those little those little hooks um, that are removable, um, just to hang like swimsuit and goggles from. So my swimsuit was in there, goggles, swim cap. My Ironman uh, swim bag was in there with mesh and. Just random swim stuff. Uh, maybe a pair of flip-flops. I don't know. But I guess if you added it up, it's like 50 bucks worth of stuff. Maybe. Well, it's just it's, a lot of the stuff is like, it's yours and it's unique. So it, it's not really, you can't put a really price on it so much. But the main, and then the other thing was my whole day is like, now I'm confused. I was going to swim and then I was going to bike and then I was going to run. I was going to do all three in one day casually you know, and just have some fun with it and Instagram it and all this stuff and have a really nice day and then get it done early and then maybe take a nap and then pack and then go. And this was after it took an hour for me to finally, uh, maybe half an hour for me to finally, oh, I I decided to wait in the locker room to see if that other guy that was using my locker showed up. Um, uh, look at me calling it my locker. It's not my locker, but using that locker to uh, show up and then ask him, Hey, uh, did you come in this morning? This locker was empty or what? You know, cause I've got no idea. I didn't show up and my locker was empty. I show up and somebody else's lock is on my locker. So who is this guy? 
did he do it? And the front desk doesn't know. And I'm like, you guys don't know if you went around and cut off locks or not. And uh, so I had the front desk text the manager. Manager's not going to get there until 930. So I finally um, did as much as I could. Gave my phone number and all that stuff. And I go home to bike instead. I'm like, well, I guess I'm biking. <laughs> I'm not swimming. Oh, I've got no swimsuit. And no goggles. I'm there and I can't swim. I did all this stuff to get ready to go swim. And that, now I can't swim, right? And there's nothing that drives people crazier than to prepare for something and then for it to be like pulled out from under them, you know? That's like really disorienting. That's what I was. I was disoriented. It was so... I wasn't too mad because I know if they cut off the locks, that's my own fault. The only thing I really didn't... I was mad about was that they didn't... If they had done that, that they didn't put a notice up because now they're they're breaking and taking stuff um, that's worth stuff to people without letting them know ahead of time and it disrupts your whole day. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself like, what if I had planned on doing an Iron Baby at that pool, you know, self-supported Ironman and starting off at that pool and I show up and I'd taken off from work and I'd like promoted it and all the stuff I was gonna do that and then I get there and I have no swim stuff. <laughs> What do you do then? Which is a really good example of life. And um, so I go home. I talk to Emily. Emily had taken off the day too. I talked to Emily and, and I'm just like, she's like, I was just pacing like back and forth to the house. Like, so like, like what? And then uh, she was, she was more pissed off than I was. She wasn't as confused as I was but she's got a life to live. So she was like, well, I'm going to go do my things and whatever. And so I got on the bike and I rode for a while and the manager's supposed to get in at nine, nine thirty, And around nine forty-five, this, uh, woman calls me on my phone and says, yes, we have your stuff in the room. And they were not exactly passive aggressive, but they were choosing to leave out information. She did not say, yeah, we cut off your lock and took your stuff. She just said, yeah, we have your, we have your, um, we have your stuff in the, um, in a storage room and, oh, the guy at the front desk had been helping me look for it, uh, in the lost and found. He was confused, like where, where my stuff would be. And I'm sure uh, what happened was a bunch of people, cause there must've been 10, 20 of us that had locks like this on lockers overnight coming in and going, where is our stuff? And what I really hope is uh, the manager at this Golds is kind of a, a pompous, like, uh, like a brazen kind of in-your-face kind of guy. And I was like, I'm hoping that enough people got in his face about it, and said, because I did when I went, I went back up to the pool, after, and. Uh, to go get my stuff and to go swim um, now and this lady hands me the bag in a clear plastic bag like it's trash <laughs> but they were nice but they were just like yeah we went uh, somebody uh, they you know they were saying they like somebody that they didn't know but staff went through and cut the locks and I said, well, I've been trying to rent a locker, but y'all won't let me rent a locker. And then the, the manager was kind of like lurking in the corner, you know? And finally he came over 
um, because I wouldn't stop like asking for an explanation. Like, oh, I wish you maybe next time. Well, I, I, I understand, you know, cutting a lock. That's, I get that. That's not a problem. And thank you for, you know, not throwing my stuff in the trash, (laughs) but, um, you know, it would have been nice if you gave some warning so people could have gotten their stuff out or been, or changed their behavior. And then, uh, this, all this wouldn't have had, this is like really bad customer service in my opinion. And, um, finally, uh, the manager came over and he's like, um, yeah, well, we don't rent lockers because then the lockers get wet and are moldy and we can't get in there and, and whatever. And I'm like, I didn't say anything because I didn't, th- I was just like, oh, okay, you know, because I was confused and I didn't think of what to say. And then later, Emily said, why don't they do lockers that are ventilated and rent those? Or why don't on the lockers that they know that are rented, they put a sticker on those and say, hey, in two weeks, we're going to be cleaning your locker. Or they know your name, they can contact you, right? And then they can go, we're going to be cleaning your locker and uh, get your stuff out um, so that we can clean them. Um, uh, so that they don't get mold, but at least make a set of locker rentable lockers that are ventilated. So they don't have that problem because the guy was saying that they can't clean them and then they get nasty and they got to rip all the lockers off. Well, that's kind of like a, that's a very, uh, fixable issue with just some forethought, you know, and uh, like Gold's gym doesn't, they're not like a national chain that doesn't think these things out. It's like absolutely crazy. All right. I got a lot more because then I started feeling sick and, if you connect stress with being sick, you know, g- getting sick, then, um, boy, man, do I have a, uh, a, uh, a combo for you. All right, hold on. I'll be right back. All right, we are back. Uh, it's been a, it's been a couple days. So I guess I, I think I left off talking about how they cut off my locker at the pool, completely disrupted my day. Um, and when I was trying to remember where I left off, you know what the last thing was? I was like, oh yeah, there's uh, something important about that. The whole time in the back of my mind, you can tell I'm still, I'm still sick. Uh, the, uh, in the back of my mind, I'm like, the upside, the silver lining to this cloud. And Zen, remember, not always so. Not everything is what you think it is. There's a silver lining to many things. And uh, it's like, this is excellent training for being disrupted, you know? So, cause somebody even asked me, uh, man, what if that, uh, happened on race day? You know, like everything's all messed up. It's like, yeah, this is good training. Life is good training for life. <laughs> if you think your Ironman race day is going to go smoothly, you are wrong. Wrong. Ironman is so long it's death by a million cuts. It's the person who screws up the least. The perfect day in Ironman almost never happens. It's like one in a million. It does happen, but it's so rare. You shouldn't count on it. <clears throat> That's not part of the plan. The plan is how do you mitigate uh, things that go wrong? You know, and that's why it takes years to get good at it because you have to have pretty much everything go wrong over the years and learn like what's the best response over and over and over again so then when it happens on race day you uh you've already kind of been through it at least in practice or a different race and you're like oh yeah sidewall cut (laughs) 
on my tire. What do I do? I've got a piece of folded up duct tape about the size of a dollar bill. A dollar bill works too. Dollar dollar bill. Patch the sidewall with it from the inside. You don't even really pat You just shove it in there. It'll hold it together a little bit. Keep the tube from popping out. Okay, so stuff like that. Anyway, <coughs> still sick. So we go to the farm. We're out running around. And I try to go biking and running. My, I'm turning into Sam Elliott with beef. It's what's for dinner. And the uh, next thing, and I think I might go with my voice being deeper. I realize actually I I purposefully like make my voice go higher when I talk to people. And I just, I just ought to let it go deeper and just be me. But anyway, uh, there's a rule of thumb for working out if it's above the neck if uh if if working out while sick excuse me if it's uh above the neck unless you got a a lobotomy or a bullet in the head or something like that you're leaking out of your out of your ears then uh blood out of your ears then uh you can keep working out so like a head cold is all right once it goes below the neck then you got problems, and that's starting to affect your your lungs and your and your stomach and all that other stuff. So you consider like just not working out at all. It's not worth it. So everything was above the neck. So I got and run and stuff, and it's kind of crappy. And then so now I'm all like ugh, messed up, and try not to get too like worked up about it. I got this big weekend, mega weekend, you know, extra long weekend planned. And it's all coming apart. There goes my voice again. It's going back down. And then uh, just having to sit with it. This is life. I'm getting lifed right now. And nothing's going to plan. And then, yeah, it started moving into my lungs. At first, I started coughing up stuff. And it was clear. And I'm like, well, at least it's not infected. And then I started coughing up stuff. And then it was turning yellow. And then I started coughing up stuff over the next two days. And it turned green. And I was like, well, that's bad. That's, an, that's how you know it's getting infected, I've heard. And uh, and it's it's just, it was just kind of a mess. I'd work out, be like super fragile and like exhausted from doing almost nothing. And that's how it went. Uh, a lot of it was uh, stress though. So at work, we got stressful stuff going on. Got people that are out, people that have left. So we got empty slots and like doubling up on work. Uh, budget, you know, won't let us hire new people until the new budget year or new year. And then uh, our budget year starts October 1st for whatever reason. Uh, but they won't let us hire until the new year. Got a new CEO of sorts. And, uh, you know, it's like that and all stuff. Having to be on and traveling for family. And I'm like, yeah, but it's about time to get sick. And uh, uh, that's it. Okay, so there was all that. I wanted to get that in there. I don't know why. But let's go back to the uh, rest of the show. Let's catch up wherever we left off with our adventures in triathlon training. Here we go. All right, we are back. The adventures in high fat, low carb. <laughs> That's how I ought to say it. High fat, low carb. Continue. I uh, did a lunch bike ride on Zwift for an hour. And that was an adventure. Uh, a good one. I just saw a Tesla Model 3, which was... Uh, I've seen a few of them, but it was a red one. 
There's my father-in-law. Honked at him. Small town. Texas. And uh, let's see. Um, this morning when I got to work, I ate... Well, I had coffee with a little bit of avocado oil in it. Like maybe a tablespoon. Maybe less. And... Uh, then I made a TV dinner breakfast, and it wasn't 50% fat, 50% carbs. It was a little low on fat and high in carbs. Super healthy TV dinner, though. Like all whole foods kind of stuff. I love it that TV dinners like that are available now. And it's so easy, dude. Just put, I mean, with when you freeze something, you don't need any preservatives. So just make a nice meal and freeze it. Why? Why go through this chemical shitstorm of stuff if you're making these making TV dinners? Companies, anyway. I think it was a was it a healthy choice? I don't know, but it was good. Anyway, so I added again some avocado oil. It's so easy because it's like it doesn't taste like anything, and maybe about a tablespoon or so avocado oil on it. And then so I was uh, I ate that this morning, and gosh, when you put enough fat on something. It fills you up. It doesn't take all that much. I couldn't even finish it. And then, let's see. Yeah, I guess around 10 o'clock in the morning, 10.30, I gave up on trying to eat it. I was just like, I'm done. <laughs> and uh, that's a good sign. Hold on. Sip a Diet Coke. I'm still on Diet Cokes. I like them. I've got a work meeting, and I need to cool down, so I'm drinking a cold drink. And I uh, got on the bike. Before I got on the bike, I started making... I was, you know, like I'm on the fence. I'm like, I'm trying to not do any carbs. But also remember, I'm trying to back in, reverse, back down off of the carbs gradually. Instead of, you know, diet. And then just see what works. And I was looking around and... And I couldn't find uh, anything worth making uh, a thing out of. And then I remember I saw in the pantry I had Gatorade Endurance. And Gatorade Endurance is not too bad. I mean, it's got electrolytes in it. And so I made a bottle of 180 calories of Gatorade Endurance. And honestly, that's about that's about what I would normally make for an hour bike ride about 180 calories and you know burning like 600 800 or something and uh, you're like well gosh you didn't go low carb it's like well usually I would have something carby before my workout leading up to it and I found it was really interesting is today I didn't I didn't feel feel like I needed so this was more like so the low carb part the low carb portion of this of this healthy breakfast was um, uh, no carbs beforehand for the uh, blood sugar to be happy and then also once I started paddling I didn't have any of that drink until I warmed up pretty good so my body was already you know burning carbs burning blood sugar you know and it was uh, it was activated and so everything I ate went right into the uh, bloodstream and sucked into, into the muscles. And it felt really, really good. It was a great workout. And um, yeah, 
no problems whatsoever. And so I averaged 255 watts, including warm up. It's pretty nice on the old Zwifteruni on Volcano Flat. And I'm already up to level 29, I think, from 25. I forgot every 30 miles or 20 miles you go up another level or something like that. Anyway, I, uh, see, I had a trick I was going to tell y'all. Um, one is my front tire uh, was starting to get flat, so I pumped that up. And that actually um, changed the fit of my saddle. And I've been looking around for um, better saddle situation. Uh, I guess because my front end was starting to dip a little bit, the, the tilt of my saddle was starting to go down. I was starting to slide off the front just ever so slightly. So I asked around if there was any kind of um, stuff what's the best stuff to put on your saddle to keep you from slipping around on it? And some people said grip tape, like on a skateboard. And then the common replies on that are, you know, Jesus, it's going to tear up your bike shorts. And, um, cause that stuff's gritty, like sandpaper. And, uh, there's silicone self-adhesive silicone tape, but it only adhe adhesives to itself and not to anything else. And I was like, oh, that's okay. I hear sirens. And then the uh, best I found so far, but I haven't used it, so I don't know, is flex tape. So flex tape is super sticky on one side and then rubbery on the other. And I don't know now if I'm going to get any because now I pumped up my tire. Um, I'm doing a whole lot better. I'm not slipping off the front. Yep, that was sirens. All right, well, that's it. There was something else I was gonna talk about. Now I can't remember what it is. So I'll be back in a few momentos and let y'all know how, bang. All right, we are back on the microphone. Man, I've had some cool stuff happen. Just finished a uh, nice long lunch run I had some extra time so I ran an hour and oh my gosh a swim this morning and I think I already talked about a run yesterday on uh, low carb high fat and dude it is freaking working I'm wondering you know my mistakes last time is trying too hard to go um, low carb and then just the, the the fact is that if you're and try if you're a triathlete triathlete <laughs> um training uh you know for long just dis longer distance like ultra distance then you're already burning so many carbs that you need to be careful and you only need to go low low carb just a little bit you need to be careful um because i am really doing well and feeling good and the difference this time is not going quite as low carb as I did last time but uh, yesterday afternoon after lunch middle of the afternoon I think it was I got that smell on my breath that acetone kind of smell uh, 
which is a smell when you're actually in ketosis, which is where your body's completely switched over to burning um, fat and no carbs. And so I was like, damn. <laughs> but I didn't feel like crap. The, the only two interesting things was uh, the past two nights I've woken up, I don't know, two o'clock in the morning or so. And I wake up anyways around that time in the morning. I don't know why. Uh, you know, sometimes. And just kind of look around and go, oh, like that. Something wakes me up. I don't know what it is. And after laying there for a little while and playing around with my phone and, and uh, trying to make myself go back to sleep, like picking a podcast or something to make me sleepy. One with lots of talking, like this one, would do it. Um... see I need to cool down the uh, I have gotten hungry in the middle of the night and oh, one of the reasons I'm doing this is trying to lose weight too um, sort of I'm really doing I don't know it's 50-50 performance and weight so uh, the first night two nights ago I um woke up, you know, and I was really hungry. And so I laid there because there's this thing where if you get really, really hungry and then wait and get so hungry that you're, it feels like you're going to die. And then all of a sudden you're not hungry anymore. You let it pass. Then uh, that's you going into ketosis actually. And it's kind of like your body's bonking. You're just not running. You're sitting there. And uh, so that happened two nights ago. And then last night, uh, I started getting hungry again, but I could tell there was something different. I was like, uh, and I've already, I was already, I already got into ketosis, uh, yesterday afternoon. So I was like, yeah, you're Brett, you're doing this thing where you're trying not to be so hardcore with the low carb so you don't overdo it. And, um, so go ahead and eat something. And the only thing I could think of that we had that was easy to eat was freaking potato chips, you know? And I'm like, no, don't do that, dude. Those are so high calorie and starchy. They're actually not not a good choice. And so I made what seems like not as good a choice, uh, which was a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. But I don't know. You know, I was really freaking hungry and uh, felt like I needed it and felt like I could use some carbs. And... You know, like I was, I was going a little bit too deep into the uh, low carb, and and uh, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich has all kinds of vitamins, and minerals in it, and stuff. I eat real healthy ingredient peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and um, so I had that. Forgive me, in a carbonated water, and also, and also, I've been sprinkling just a tiny bit, not as much as I used to. Just a tiny bit of salt, kind of here and there, on food or in drinks and stuff. And yesterday I did low. Yesterday I was going to do low carb until lunch, but then that was the other thing, is I ended up doing low carb all the way through dinner into the evening. And uh, and when I got home, I had a, an IPA beer, a good one, Alaskan IPA maybe. And I was like okay, that's, that's probably a little bit too much right now. And that's why I had that. That's another reason why I rationalized peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And then it turned out when I weighed myself, 
in the morning, this, this morning, I'd lost a pound. And I've been drinking plenty of fluids and eating salt and stuff like that. And, um, and it's not hot. It's cold weather. And I was like, all right. See, I wasn't stupid. I could have... It was smart to eat something in the middle of the night. Because <laughs> I was like, the, the scale will tell the truth. And it did. And I was all right. So that's okay. <sighs> okay, so let me tell you about the past two workouts. So this morning I swam. And I had butter in my coffee. I got up and had one slice of provolone cheese. These are the uh, big round slices. And then I had um, what did I have? Uh, oh, butter in my coffee. And I was like, alright. That's enough. So again, this is instead of cereal granola cereal with, with whole milk but still granola cereal I I already eat kind of middle of the path so that, I think that's why this is kind of easy too and working out you know like helps you burn um, uh, fat anyway so then what did I do um, oh so that was my cup of coffee and then I usually do two cups of coffee in the morning one to wake up and then one to right before I start working out gives me good workouts the dark master of the cocoa bean <laughs> coffee bean actually and that's from Seinfeld the uh, the second coffee because I'm still you know I need a little bit of a safety blanket and it's working and I did this last time and I got into ketosis anyway and uh, uh, I did um, one tablespoon MCT oil and one tablespoon of um, maple syrup. And my theory with that is, there's this thing with fat, oil, MCT oil is fat, that it actually delays the absorption of sugar. So I blended it together into the um, into my coffee, and I made the coffee extra big. Same amount of caffeine as a regular cup, but I let it run a little bit of extra water through it. So that helps you digest that extra stuff I added to it. And then went to the pool. I sipped on it all the way until I almost got into the water. Went in the pool and had a uh, faster workout than usual. And I had the thing where around 20 something minutes in, I felt a little bit like, meh. I felt a little weak, but better than before. And then, um, and then swam all the way through the end, and then sprinted the last hundred yards with uh, plenty of energy. And I swam forty-two hundred yards, about nonstop. So definite sign that I'm fat burning, big time, because I've hardly had any carbs. And uh, any carbs I have had, I've burned off pretty good, pretty well. Okay, so then um, after that, I had some kind of bar. I mean, immediately afterward, I had some kind of bar. And then um, it was high in protein, but not a huge one. God, I forgot the name of it. Balance bar? Emily gets them. And then um, they're pretty small. And then the next... 
thing. I got to work and I made a cup of coffee with some MCT oil. And then a little bit later, I had um, an RX bar, which is high in protein. And it's got some fat in it. So that plus the uh, MCT oil kind of had me um, doing pretty well with the uh, with a nice chunk of fat with my uh, carbs. I think, again, to slow down the carbs a little bit. And um, then I went for a lunch run. And now we're going into a lunch run with no preloading blood sugar with any kind of carbs whatsoever. I just went right into it with nothing. And during my I ran faster than I have uh, before. Felt freaking great. Like really good. It felt very clear and um, free and like this is great. And uh, for fuel during during the run, which I only started sipping on after I started going, I had a, I had a hundred calorie uh, gel mixed into my water, and so I sip it like every five minutes. So it's like a very gentle um, dosing, a very slow dosing of a hundred calories from carbs over an hour while I'm already running at a pretty good clip, and I'm I'm not fully convinced I should go. Um, absolutely no carb during workouts, you know, like they say, because I'm a heavy sweater and I get really hot and it helps retain water to have just a little bit of carbs with your water. It helps your body absorb the water and use it. So 100 calories from carbs, just one gel per hour, uh, seems to be a nice spot. You know, I'm not saying that's what I'm going to stick with, but for right now, that's definitely, um, definitely, definitely working very well, and I'm liking. It. I've also noticed that I'm not hungry as much at all. You know, able to go longer between meals without freaking out. Um, sometimes I don't crave food at all. I kind of forced myself to eat last night dinner, and I still lost a pound, which is kind of bizarre. So. Anyway, that's where I'm at. I need to uh, go into the, the building and have some uh, have some meetings and some other stuff that's going on. Got a snack on my, what's left of my lunch, and I'll talk to y'all later. It's working. It's working. Out, bang. Right, we are back. Ooh. Well, I had a little bit of the uh, low carb catching up with me last last night. It got a little touch and go there. <laughs> I was sitting there watching TV and uh, surfing the internet, and then I said, "Kai, it's my 14 year old son. Give me some chips." And uh, he did, and I ate a bunch. In fact, I ate too many. But then I ended up being all right. And this morning went for a, um, a run. Uh, just, I got up and had butter in my coffee and then a piece of cheese. Started my run and uh, felt fine. 
I was slower today, but I was actually, I felt fine. Well, I did have a little bit of a low point, but it's being pushed back to around 30 minutes instead of 20 minutes, which is a sign that you're getting better at this stuff. And, and I just slowed down, you know, but this was barely noticeable. And then, oh, I, uh, what happened? Oh, yesterday I had too much energy and I ran too fast and uh, for too long and it made my injury hurt during my run and I uh, today well last night I slept in the uh, plantar fasciitis boot even though really what I have is mad calf Um, plantar fasciitis is gone but uh, this works for mad calf as well so I slept in the boot to make sure uh, that my foot was better and when I got up and walked around this morning it was almost fine so that thing really does help. And then 30 bucks on Amazon. And then, oh wait, coffee sip. Trying to drink my coffee while I drive to work. Having to be extra careful, I have on a, um, a yellow polo shirt. And I'm gonna spill coffee on me, on myself. <laughs> Allow myself to introduce myself the uh i don't want coffee on my uh, on my shirt it's unforgivable on a yellow a light yellow shirt anyway i uh decided to run more gently today it was really bizarre yesterday i had a lot of energy and i could tell like um i was going too fast for what my body could handle um, and it wasn't that fast, but too fast for my body. And so my um, my foot strike was all wacky. I felt jaggedy and um, jittery. It wasn't smooth. And uh, so this morning, I uh, ran slower and made sure that I was running smoothly. And um, there was a couple moments where my foot started to hurt off and on so I uh, slowed down and made sure that um, it didn't and uh, what's really weird is so the calf tightens up on the uphills you know because you're going up and using that calf to push off extra and I'm carrying about 15 pounds too much weight because of my injuries over the past couple years I've let the weight come on because I haven't been able to run as much so it's like wearing a weight vest and so that makes the calf tighten up the calf tightens up, it pulls on the tendon. So now the irritated part of the tendon is now pulled up tight against the uh, heel bone. So then when I go downhill and you tend to land more on your heel, the heel bone bangs into the that irritated part of the tendon now and makes it worse, injures it worse. And... Uh, so it's weird, like the uphill is the cause and the is the start antagonist, and then the downhill is the injury intensifier <laughs> continuer. <laughs> 
So anyway, I, avoid, I avoided all that and ran a bunch slower, a uh, uh, half a minute per mile at least slower than usual, and just came to terms with it. I, it's it's weird, you know. Some you get very mature about training after injuries and stuff, uh, and you're like, well, this is what I got today, and this is what I'm gonna this is what I'm gonna deal with. It reminds me like of a really old old man. Like you try to get them to do something, and they're like, nah, I don't do that. <laughs> This old body doesn't do that. And also, uh, yet during yesterday's swim, I remember I was uh, sprinting hard at the very end. And my left shoulder gave a sudden zing in the, uh, in the cartilage shoulder joint kind of area. And I was like, oh, watch out for that because that's the start of something bad. And so I backed off on the shoulder. What's nice about swimming is you can put more weight on the other side and let up on one side. So we have all that. Oh, we got somebody pulled over up here. Uh, but the, uh, the low fat, low, low carb, God, I need to get that. I remember L, I'm getting better with the acronym. It's LCHF. Low carb, high fat, is actually uh, seems to be working out pretty good right now. Um, I think my trouble yesterday was I tried to extend the um, the low carb past noon. I, you know, I should be doing low carb until noon, and it was just too soon to keep going with that. Uh, yesterday afternoon, I had uh, cottage cheese. That's a really good food, just in general. People don't eat enough cottage cheese. It's so easy, too, because it already comes in a container. You just eat it right out of the, uh, I don't know, what is it, a half pint or something like that? That's about the right size. And um, I haven't eaten it in so long. I was like, oh, yes, I've seen people put salt and pepper on it. That's what I like, I think. And so I tried that, and it was, it was okay. And then once I got past the salt and pepper on the top, I was like, down to just plain cottage cheese. I was like, oh, yes, this is my childhood. <laughs> There's a uh, Toyota Land Cruiser in front of me in the intersection that put on its brakes too late and is now way out into the intersection thinking that that uh, they're okay. <laughs> You're not, dude. You need to back up some more. You're going to get hit. Oh, yeah, um... And then uh, yesterday, I was messing around with my run scheduling, and I you can use Training Peaks if you buy the pro version. You can plan future workouts, and that's how they get you. Uh, the free version, you can't put workouts or races into the future, and it's irritating. So you're like, I want to do that. And they're like, Well, give us money, and then you're like, God damn it. So uh, I was like. I don't want to run three days in a row. I only want to run two days in a row right now and then give my, give my body a break. So what's, what I love about Training Peaks is it's drag and drop. You can take workouts and just move them around with your mouse. You can put it on Tuesday. or the, and then, Oh, and copy-paste. So you're like, take all these. Um, let's move them around. So what first... I do what I do first dear, is I don't put in the um, the mileage or anything like that the distance the the time or anything it just says swim bike 
run. That's it. And I copy and paste a bunch of those into the week. And then with those, I start moving moving them around until I get what I want. And I start saying, okay, if I move this swim from Wednesday to Thursday, does that give me the the runs that I want? Because this would be swimming instead of running, you know? And uh, there's nothing like a calendar, you know, to plan out stuff, obviously. And by, it was so easy, man. Just pushing stuff around. And then I go, ah, yeah, that'll work. That's smart. You got to look at what's your limiter, you know, or what's the thing you're trying to improve and then put that in first. I should do podcasts on how to coach, man. It's so nuanced. It's so important, like how to do stuff. And so you put your critical stuff in first and then kind of build your stuff around it. So first I put in my runs and then I go, okay, now what do I put in? And they allow you to put in stuff that's like other. So you can put in your like life events that you have to plan around. But uh, it was nice. All right, that's it. I'm at W to the ERK. We have work breakfast. I'm going to see what people brought in and get done. Out, bang. What's up, homies? I am super, super duper excited because I have figured out a nutrition problem I've been having. It's not keto or any of that stuff. Uh, or low carb, high fat. That has been plaguing me for several years now. And it's when I, uh, especially if I run in the evening, after dinner, a while after dinner, I have... Um, a low blood sugar attack after starting running. So I get like 15 minutes, sometimes just 10 minutes in, but somewhere between 10 and 20 minutes in and my blood sugar just drops and I feel shaky and I can't run anymore. And the thing is, it both it both sucks normally, but also sucks uh, majorly because you know, as an age group or triathlete with kids and, and a job and everything, I don't have time to screw around. I was about to say F around. To screw around with getting all ready for a workout. Getting everything together. And then getting up the energy to go work out. And, you know, leaving my family behind for an hour. And, you know, an hour workout takes two hours of, like, total time of like getting your stuff together and then when you're done cooling down of like very selfish time so I'm leaving people behind you know I, I could be helping around the house instead I could be uh, helping Kai uh, with homework there's just a million things I could be doing rather than having a workout that fails it, it's so it's just devastating to me whenever that happens and it's been bothering me trying trying to figure out what's going on. And you get very worried, you know, that maybe you have like hypoglycemia, regular hypoglycemia, which is like an onset of diabetes or something. Like it's so not knowing. Ugh. 
not knowing what's going on is very, very disruptive. You know, if somebody's sick with something like cancer or whatever, just the symptoms and they don't know what's going on, that's, that's so devastating. And then figuring out like what's actually happening is like 90% of the cure makes you feel so much better to actually understand. Then you can have a plan and work on it. So I'm listening to this podcast. Uh, It's really confusing. They've done a really bad job of branding themselves, but it's like semi-pro cycling. And it's called like inside, inside semi-pro. I'm going to try to put a link to it on my, on my website at zentrathlon.com. Let me see if I can find the uh, photo of it. I took a screenshot of it while I was listening to it. Actually, I listened to it twice. Inside, Targeted Nutrition. And it's from December 12th. And the image on the front of the podcast says, Faster, Stronger, Healthier. I guess the podcast is called Semi-Pro Cycling. Anyway, they had a pro cycling, like the big time, the tour guys. Peter Sagan's guy. uh, uh, Nutritionist talking about how to fuel for workouts and doing the typical stuff that I already knew about like timing your foods and everything, you know, for a big workout, big, big workouts, you know, what the different food groups do, the macros and all that stuff. That's all, um, old hat to me. And so I'm just listening along going, yep, yep, yep. Not expecting anything, but I'm just enjoying the conversation because it's neat. Let's see if I can pick up a little tip here and there. And then he said something about you got to watch out for doing this one thing that they've just been kind of chatting about. I'll get to it in a second. Because it'll cause this thing called hypoglycemic rebound. Rebound hypo, hypoglycemia. Something like that. You can Google it. Find it either way. And you'll get into a workout or a race and feel flat and even feel like you've have, you're having a low blood sugar attack and be shaky and, and feel like crap and uh, have to almost stop. And I was like, whoa, 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 rewind, back up, what? What are the steps that led to this? And this is crazy and I really wanted to share this on the podcast because this is amazing because I've heard about this one other time but they didn't give the name to it so it was difficult for me to research and find uh, more information about it. Okay, if you are about to work out or race, they said, you know, you fl- three, three hours, three and a half hours before you're like an Ironman or something, you eat a big meal and then you let that digest. And by the time you race, you know, it's kind of passed through your stomach and your intestines. And now it's like all in your liver and you get all this energy and all this stuff, all, all suited up. And then that does kind of make you a little bit sleepy though. And so they said about, um, an hour before your big, they were talking about group rides or race, about an hour before you eat something that's carbs, but low glycemic. And they said a banana, because a banana's got fiber and a little bit of fat in it and stuff. And it's fructose, which is a little bit slower to absorb. About 100 calories, which is 20, 25 grams of slow acting carbs. Okay, so a banana, not a gel, but more like a banana. And they said that'll that will give you 
it takes about an hour for it to peak because it's slower acting instead of 20 minutes and it'll be in your bloodstream and acting slowly right as you start your race and then you'll have energy right as you start and then all that food from your three hours ago meal that was big will follow that up and then and as you go along in your race you just sip on uh, Gatorade or whatever with it. okay they said there is a danger though be very careful do not be tempted to 20 minutes or whatever or right before your event to have a fast acting carb dose of a carb because what happens is your blood sugar is already medium to high right and if you and that's okay you want that but if you add on a simple sugar on top of that that's fast acting you run the risk of your body going now this is too much and it releases an overdose of insulin to bring it back down and on top of that the fact that you just started working out your muscles uptake a whole bunch of glycogen out of your bloodstream so now you have a whole lot of insulin and your muscles sucking um, blood sugar out of your bloodstream and the result is feeling lightheaded weak shaky because your brain is your uh, you know, is your CPU it's your controller for your body and if it's not getting enough blood sugar then it tries to shut everything down and that's what's been happening to me so in my in my case I'll eat dinner and then I'll feel like a little bit low energy um, because I ate dinner a couple couple hours before sometimes an hour and a half and then so about 20 minutes before I go work out I would have like a coffee with some kind of sugary something in it like a scoop of maltodextrin about 100 calories of maltodextrin or whatever well guess what those that sugary stuff on top of the meal I ate um, is too much blood sugar and that would kick off an insulin response a super insulin response and which would be sort of okay, except then I start running, and running's the worst. Running more than cycling and, and swimming because it's it burns the most calories uh, per mile. Um, that would suck the uh, blood sugar out of my bloodstream and the insulin all together, all acting um, just boom bottoms me out and I would get I would get uh, 10 minutes into a run 20 minutes into a run somewhere in that range and feel completely shaky I've had to have Emily come pick me up once because I just I had made it you know two miles from home and now I felt like I was gonna pass out because it was so low Isn't that crazy anyway I'm gonna post links to it on the uh, website zentrathlon.com and it's called hypo not hyper hypo hypo means under hyper means above hypoglycemic which is blood sugar 
rebound, hypoglycemic rebound. So also, um, I need to get off the mic here, but last night I um, had dinner, waited a couple of hours, about, yeah, and then about an hour before I got on the bike, I had a granola bar, which was about 100 calories, but slow acting because it's granola, you know, and it had some, a little bit of fat in it. So it was slower acting, and I got on the bike an hour later, basically when that thing was peaking, and then when I biked, I had the best bike, at least one of, one of the top 10, 5, 3, whatever, bike rides, hour workout uh, for an evening ride that I've had um, the past year, or ever, 266 watts just riding along. Um, it just felt like bottomless energy could just cruise and, uh, just amazing. And I was like, holy crap. So basically a hundred calories an hour, slow acting calories, carbs, but slow acting calories, uh, an hour before you do your workout is perfect. Anyway, I'm also going to post a link to the uh, podcast so that people can go check this out because it's also full of all this other information about protein timing, and uh, post-workout timing and all this stuff and explains everything. So they're telling you what Peter Sagan and the other pros do in the world tours. And uh, it's just amazing. Really, really cool. All right, out, bang. All right, homies, I am back. Holy cow. It's Sunday evening, and I've had uh, quite a weekend. I've had uh, time both days, Saturday and Sunday, to um, put in some big workouts. I mean, they're big. I think they're classic half Ironman workouts, but um, maybe a little bit short on the run. But anyway, I mean, the numbers are just so great, which uh, goes to show, you know, sometimes... It kind of depends on you and where you are and and kind of where you've hit a plateau and stuff. But sometimes it's better to go shorter and get faster first. I say you want to increase your marathon time. You know, instead of going out and training long miles uh, like you're running, going to run a marathon, sometimes it's better to um, do shorter runs. And, I mean, there's a direct correlation between your 5K time and your marathon time. So, you know, work on getting fast first and then extend it out a little bit. It's two totally different approaches. And you can do both. I mean, you can do a combo. Some of your workouts you do short and fast. Some of your workouts you do uh, long and easy. And then you're kind of working both sides of the problem at the same time. But anyway, I've uh, I've uh, been doing this uh, great workout. Uh, one hour run, two hour bike. And the reason I was doing that in that order as a brick workout was... Uh, to pamper my run injury, I wanted to run while I was fresh first until I got over my run injury and then, uh, and then bike. And then, I mean, you're working on your endurance the whole time, you know, like fat burning and all that crap. So I got a foot cramp going on right now in my left foot. Stop it. Anyway, I decided Saturday to flip it around. My foot is almost healed in Texas. We say healed up. My foot is almost healed, and I said, um, 
I'm going to try biking and then running. You know, classic stuff. And by the way, the Dave Scott workout was like something like bike an hour, run an hour, bike an hour, run an hour, bike an hour, run an hour. <laughs> Constantly mixing it up. And his method of that was to, um, this is all in a row, is to teach yourself to respect the run <laughs> and to back off on the bike. <sighs> so I did that, gosh, years ago for fun a few times. That was kind of cool. But anyway, uh, bike and then run. And my bike numbers, because I wasn't biking after running, were spectacular. I was holding back. Oh, I want to talk about that with fueling the uh in the context of fueling i was holding back a little bit because i was gonna run and on saturday day one i i uh i did that pretty pretty well i um managed to uh, control myself and so i held back a little bit and then uh my bike watts were i posted a picture of it on on uh, instagram twitter zen triathlon on both of those uh, 269 watts <laughs> for two hours, kind of holding back. And I was just like, holy cow, man, this is awesome. So all this, uh, backing off of the volume because of my foot injury has led me into doing shorter workouts. The shorter workouts have led me into getting more powerful and stronger because, uh, instead of doing, going out and just beating myself up, uh, over long distance and hours, I've been focusing on getting more powerful and uh by kind of by accident and it's wow uh that's that's uh really really great and i mean that was my ftp for an hour you know a couple of years ago uh, maybe but the um no nah, it was probably like 300 but the uh it's close and you know eight years ago yeah definitely that was my ftp and to be, you know, cranking that out for two hours. And then I turned around and got off the bike. Oh, and this has been happening gradually over time. And a lot of it is training indoors on the trainer on Zwift. I got a very controlled environment so I can test out different things. I can test out pacing. I can test out heart rate. I can test out standing and climbing. I can test out uh, fuels and hydration and nail it down because it's a very controlled environment. So you get that all figured out in a controlled environment and then you go out into the into the wild and you do what you figured out works for real and then you're a whole lot better off. So anyway, oh, I did something crazy. I set up a camelback. I put that's a picture too from Sunday's workout. Uh camelback bladders originally started as IV bags. The guy was a nurse or a physician's assistant. I don't think he was a doctor, but uh he uh that IV bags at, you know, the hospital. And he was like, man, this would be a great way to carry hydration on my back while I'm mountain biking or whatever he was doing. So, uh, he modified that into a backpack and then started doing that and it worked. So me putting a camel bag up like an IV bag, there's a reason why they look like a, like an IV bag. <laughs> it's because they are an IV bag. And, uh, so then what is super cool is a two-hour ride on the trainer. How many bottles of water is that to go with you? And uh, if you just fill up a camelback and then hang it off of a, off of a hook up high enough, that way it's got positive pressure, 
head pressure is what they call it too. Um, so it's easy to drink out of then, uh, yeah, you got plenty of water and then this fuel and also, oh, I'll get to the fuel in a minute. Cause I did a little change up on my fuel, slightly different, pretty much same, but slightly different. And the, um, 268 watt. I just could not believe it. So then I got my run stuff together and Kai wanted to go with me or I convinced him to go with me. Hold on, drink of water. And uh, we, I was, I remember walking out the door. I go, this is going to suck. <laughs> There's no way I put out 268 watts and then I'm going to be able to run. I need uh, 240 watts or so on average, to qualify for Kona on the bike if my aerodynamics were perfect and I had a good day, you know, on a, um, then my fueling went well. I mean, just, gosh, there's so many parameters. But anyway, so I'm like super excited, 268 watts. But anyway, I start, we go out into the street, start running, and I was like, this is going to suck. Because <laughs> remember, I haven't run off the bike in a while. And I was like, my legs are just going to come apart. I'm going to be, I'm going to be running like a 12 minute mile and then run into a mailbox and collapse on the ground. So we start running. And after a while, I'm down to a, a 920 pace, which is actually faster than I usually run just out for a casual run. And then a 915 and then a 910 and then a 905. And then by the time I finished running for an hour, and by the way, I dropped Kai, he couldn't handle it. <laughs> I was very kind and compassionate. And I'm like, all right, buddy, you need to be okay. But anyway, I made sure I got in there. I go, so can't keep up with your old man, huh? Because he's always talking about how he's uh, faster than me and stuff. So uh, he made it about two and a half miles. Uh, he hadn't been running much lately. He's been doing weights and stuff. And uh, it's like off season for his uh, school stuff. He's 14, by the way, if I haven't mentioned that already. I, I feel like I need to mention that every once in a while in case it's a new listener. That's the only reason why. And... And he's a track superstar. He was last year. And I finished running a nine minute and one second mile pace, which is really good for me. I'm about 15 to 20 pounds overweight from race weight. I'm floating around 192 and my race weight's like 175, you know, like it's, it's, uh, I'm, a, I'm over and I don't like it, but you know, sympathy eating for my injury and stuff and just backing off a little bit and let my body recover. Um, I've been overdoing the fuel and nutrition so that, uh, the food, not the fuel, the food and nutrition. So that I got all the nutrients to help heal my foot. That's what's going on in my mind. I don't know. So anyway, I, uh, I finished running faster than I usually, much faster than I usually do. And I was like, damn, Gina, damn how did I do that, man? And I felt great. And then according to that fueling podcast I mentioned earlier, sat down and I put in, uh, 250 calories of, uh, of carbs quick. The two handfuls of gummy bears, like Peter Sagan does, except I did two IPA ales. <laughs> it was crazy. There's that thing in that podcast where they talk about, you have this chemical. If you've just, if you're working out pretty hard aerobically, then, uh, I guess medium, then, um, You've got a chemical floating around in your body that delays absorption of carbs. Isn't that weird? And it did. Usually, I would have like low blood sugar and be, um, and a beer or something like that would make me, um, you know, lightheaded, buzzed. But nothing, nothing happened. It's like 
it's like it just halted it in its tracks. It was crazy. And, um, and then after that, lots, lots of protein, you wait like 25 minutes and then do lots of protein. And, uh, oh, so the fuel for this was, um, I didn't feel like doing the, uh, the, the, uh, maple syrup this time. So I thought I'd try something different and I did, um, two scoops Gatorade Endurance, which is about 120 calories. And it's got some maltodextrin in it. And then a scoop of maltodextrin, which is another 120 calories. So you get about the 240 calories, right? Maybe 100, maybe 230, maybe 220, right? And then on top of that, that's per hour. Uh, and then on top of that, I did a almost a tablespoon. So it's about like 80 calories of MCT oil that's already emulsified. You can order it online on it, O-N-N-I-T makes emulsified. That means that it's, it's got an agent in it that um, blends it with whatever you mix it with. So it doesn't float to the top like oil does. And um, so you just shake it up. Anyway, so I made a one hour water bottle, bike bottle. No, a two hour bike bottle. I, I did two hours worth of this stuff. Uh, so you're talking like 320 calories or so um, per hour, all in the twice into a water bottle, filled it to the top, shook it up so it's all blended and you just sip on that and it's a clearish bottle so you can see it as you go down and try to try to spread it out sip on it every 10 minutes you know and um and then my iv bag <laughs> i've gone completely insane i'm so focused on trying to get trying to get to kona someday it's hilarious um it's a madman and then uh that worked pretty good uh, and then what i noticed was uh, yesterday when I went easier, Saturday, um, day one, when I went easier, I was actually able to eat more fuel, which actually made me go faster on the bike. It was pretty weird. There's a tipping point of if you start going too hard, biking, running, swimming, then you can't absorb any, uh, any nutrition or you start absorbing less and less and less. And that's why to you want to bank calories on the bike, but on, so on the bike you got to slow down. So I'm doing 268 watts, 269 on on uh, day one, and um, going. Sorry, I had a brain fart there for a second. Going, holding back allowed me to drink almost that entire bottle, and then on the run. I felt uh, pretty good, was cruising along. Um, There's only a couple times during the bike where I had trouble kind of eating and, uh, and drinking because it was too much. But so like you take, you knock down that 269 watts, let's just say 270, because that's a round number. So 270 down to what you need, um, which is about two, I said for Kona, like 240, right? Well, all of a sudden you're going nowhere near as hard and then you can start eating a whole, you can eat more calories, like another hundred calories per hour probably. And then when you hit that run, you've banked all these calories. And in that podcast, that nutrition podcast, they were talking about if you add fat and a little bit of protein, so that MCT oil, um, to, which is the fat, to your fuel, that fat 
um, will be is really good for long distance stuff because your body will be able to use it later uh, when you run. And anyway, so that was day one, and I was just like over the moon. I was like, "Whoa, dude, this is so awesome!" Day two, I got on the bike a little bit earlier, and my coffee hadn't worn off, and so I was a little bit too excited, and I went too fast the first hour. So I was doing two hundred seventy. 275 watts the first 20 minutes and then 272 and then i noticed that i couldn't keep the fuel down because i was going too fast going too hard uh and so um a really good example of what i'm talking about i don't know if it's exactly the same thing but it's a good thing to keep in mind a mental picture is there's videos on youtube of people puking when they try to power lift (laughs) like spray puking uh what is that projectile vomiting like bad, really, really bad. So it'd be like a huge guy um, and he'll lift up a giant barbell, lift it up on his chest and then start, it's a, what's that? Uh, It's a deadlift and uh, lift it up to their chest and then try, they're trying to lift it up over their head and they're pushing so hard to um, get it up over their head. Their body rejects um, the fuel that's in their stomach uh, the, the food that's in their stomach because there's no room for it because they're crushing so hard and the body's like, if we're going to get this work done, we need to get all this out. <laughs> so they projectile vomit. So that's like an extreme case, but of the same thing. So I was going a little bit too hard and my fuel wasn't going down as well. And I noticed I couldn't eat, uh, uh, eat as much of the fuel. So, um, but that's what caffeine can do to you. You know, it can be like, get you too excited kind of like a race day need to hold back a little bit and then um by the time I realized what was going on it was like too late my last uh 40 minutes my watts dropped um you know like by 10 watts or so per lap I was doing and and uh I'm riding around on Zwift by the way and so I was like oh whatever um but anyway so I I ended up biking because I went so hard in the beginning and then you average that out with slowing down significantly in the end, I averaged uh, 268 watts instead of 269. So I was only one watt slower, but I was fading big time. So I was like, oh, this is not going to be good. But, but the difference I did this time was on the run. Um, yesterday, when I started my run, I took that last chug of fuel to finish the bottle right? Which is incorrect. It's kind of like a thing like finish all the food on your plate. No, you don't need to finish all the food on your plate. If you're not hungry, don't eat it. Right. So I wasn't really hungry, but I, to finish the bottle, because I'm like, I need, I need, I'm going to need this. And I should have asked myself, are you actually uh, burping or anything like that? Because if so, then you shouldn't be, um, you shouldn't eat that. Um, So today on the run, I did not try to finish the bottle or take an extra sip before I got going. In fact, I just drank water to help digest what was stuck in my gut and then took off on the run. And on my run, I actually started running faster than yesterday. I immediately was running a 9.15, 9.10, and then I got down to a, a 9.03 really quickly and then held it there. And Kai ran with me again and this time his strategy we decided was for him to run his speed and then stop and then wait for me and then run his speed and because he's like you run too slow and it makes me hurt <laughs> you know that crap 
And there is, there is some truth to that. So I was like, all right, then you run your speed and just wait for me. And he made it a little bit further. He made it two and a half miles when yesterday he made it only 2.3 or something like that before he had to quit. And, um, uh, we shook hands and I kept going. And then I ran and ran and ran. And when I got close to being done, he showed up again and he ran with me and he ran, um, oh, here comes Emily. Yeah. No, I'm talking, I'm recording for my podcast. She didn't call back? Uh Uh-uh. Okay. Did you call her cell phone? Yes. I'm almost done. That's real life interjecting into the uh, pocket. Have I called my mom? <laughs> if you're not married, that's what married life is like. Uh, then I uh, finished the run running a nine flat, which was one second per mile faster. And I... Um, because my target was an hour. And so one second per mile faster, exact same route. So it's very controlled, very, you know, consistent environment. So I could see what the difference was. And the difference was a little bit less fuel. Oh, and then towards the end, I started, um, there's like these little hills to show up about once every few minutes. And I was like, take a sip of fuel right before you go up a hill instead of on a time, you know, every five minutes. Do it instead. You're about to go up a hill. So take a little sip of fuel and uh and the water and that actually worked better and i finished um yeah running faster and i was like whoa holy crap this is like really really cool so two days in a row same workout basically went the same speed both times which is really good iron man training to do back-to-back big or hard days because on your second day you're starting off oh my god dude when i started biking and uh running today i definitely felt yesterday like bad like it was like ouch man this hurts so that's really good ironman training mentally um knowing what it let's say you try you only every once in a while did really long days well you don't know what the pain feels like until you get deep into the day and then you don't know if you don't do it enough then you don't know that you can keep going or what speed you can run when it hurts well because today i hurt when i started um, I had three hours of mental training of like, can I keep going when it hurts? And yeah, I can go three hours once it starts hurting easily. I could have kept going and, um, but you're freshly fueled so that, um, you have the energy to keep going. So, um, you're able to power that mental training workout. It's really cool. Another thing is, um, been jumping in the pool. When I've been uh, done with my, uh, with a couple of my runs that were hot, maybe my bike ride, and the water is 53 degrees in the pool in the backyard, and the pool's gross, so I just cleaned it today, um, mostly, and we'll see um, how it goes. It has leaves in it, and there was one other thing. Oh, weekly totals. All right, 12,600 yards swimming in three swims, and... So I think that was 4,200 yards per swim in an hour. And then, um, oh, so if you're trying to qualify for Kona, that's a typical yardage is around 12,000, just 
these people start at about 12,000 yards per week. And if you want to be time efficient, I swim, I swim at all, <laughs> I swim at all at once. <laughs> well, I mean all three times per week, but all at once without stopping. Um, and then that way I get that crammed in and then, uh, and that's at Kona qualifier pace. I average about a 125, which is an hour swim. And then on the bike, 144 miles, I think it was. I don't have it in front of me right now. But 144 miles on the bike, which is not enough. I think you start looking at 180 to uh, maybe 200 miles per week. I'd have to look again to be a Kona qualifier. And, of course, you know, those speeds matter too. Now, my speeds were um, fantastic. Fantastic. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, again, I need to average, I think it's around 22 miles per hour. I'd have to look 22.3 or something like that. 20, but anyway, um, on a flatter course to uh, qualify for Kona and I was averaging 24 miles per hour. So that is legit, like pretty awesome. And then on, uh, the run 33 miles for the week. So it's might be up from the third, I think it was 31 or 32 last week, but my goal was to go a little bit more and I did. So 33 miles uh, for the week and my run is uh, not Kona qualifier speed. It's still too slow. Um, there's a really good rule of thumb that if you want to know what you'll run in an Ironman, um, do Ironman training for a while, for months, months and months and months. And then look at your average run speed, including warm-ups and everything, over the previous months. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> um, I guess some of like Strava or something like that. Maybe it has a function where you can look at your average run speed. You can like pick just running and then look at your average. I wonder if that's a thing. And that will be probably about how fast you'll run during an Ironman because that's a mix of you're fast, you know, when you're sprinting towards the end, if you can. And, uh, and that's also a nice mix of you jogging slowly and maybe walking some hills and stuff like that. And that average, that's your, basically when you're tired, what is your easy jog speed? Whatever your easy jog speed is, is probably going to be whatever you're able to sustain for 26 point, Jesus, I hate saying that, 26.2 miles after biking five hours. And um, yeah, good luck, man. All, all of you that are like really good uh, long distance runners, I'm so envious. <laughs> it's so hard. It's so hard uh, to become a good runner. My, my form is good. My uh, endurance is good. All that stuff. Uh, I just gotta, I gotta get my weight back down for, um, oh, if you, um, it's one to one and a half, or is it one and a half to two seconds? Somewhere between one to two seconds. Um, so I'd say like one and a half seconds uh, per mile, um, fast or per pound. If you lose weight down, down to your ideal weight. And so if you're 25 pounds overweight, that's if you're 20 pounds overweight that's like 30 seconds per mile faster uh pace if you lost that weight so if you're averaging a nine minute mile then you can take off 
and you need to lose about 20 pounds, then um, you can say, oh, if I lost 20 pounds, the same effort I would run an eight and a half minute mile. It's pretty cool to know. And that's the one where weight really makes a difference. Weight makes some difference on the bike, uh, makes almost no difference on the swim. And what's interesting is, yeah, you get your weight down to a certain point. And then once you uh, get too light, then uh, you end up being tired and, and uh, injured. So you don't want to go crazy with that. All right, that's enough for right now. I think really soon we're going to uh, wrap up the show. All right, out, bang. I need to go inside and call my mom, apparently. <laughs> After Zen, call mom, out. Oh, wait, I forgot. I wanted to mention something. Ah. Uh, Jeez, um, I have terrible, terrible vision. And uh, I've been wearing glasses forever because my last, for, for years, gosh, for years now, I haven't been able to get contacts to work without either A, drying out my eyes and making me feel um, terrible um, and look like I'm high, or, um, I mean, like pretty bad. And uh, my last set of contacts, I couldn't see up close with them the, the astigmatism was set all wonky. And, um, so they were pretty much useless. I spent all those, all that money on those contacts. I can't get LASIK. My eyes are the wrong shape to get LASIK. Apparently, um, I'm not a LASIK qualifier in LQ. <laughs> and, uh, my eye doctor, he's so funny. My previous eye doctor, he said, you're not a, you're not a candidate for LASIK. It'll um, shave off too much of your, the way your eye's shaped, it'll wreck your eyes. And the, the uh, he goes, what you, you know what you are? You're a perfect candidate for contacts. <laughs> I was like, damn it. I got surfing and like all the stuff. And I'm like, contacts, man. Anyway, um, the past week I've been in uh, a new set of contacts that actually work and fit right and they don't make my eyes too red by the end of the day and I'm loving it I feel and I'm growing out a beard and I started with um beard whatever mustache November whatever it's called I just kept going and forever I've been um glasses and shaved face and it is such a different look for no glasses and ultra beard and um Last time I grew out a beard was for uh, running an ultra, which was totally cool. And I loved it, loved it. The look on my face, and I'm wearing my contacts. And, and I'm like, dude, that looked so odd. I've got this photo that, you know, the, the race photographer took. And it's so cool. And uh, to be back kind of looking like that again is nice. Uh, just a different look, you know, kind of a change up. And um, my God, the difference that contacts make. Now, I've been wearing contacts since middle school, so I'm not new to contacts. Um, but I've just been out of them the past few years. God, no, shit, dude. Like the past 20 years, I've been out of them pretty much and just wear glasses and, and then wear contacts, you know, for like long bike rides or go surfing or something like that. But um, lately, it's... I've been, because these work so good, I've been wearing contacts 24-7. Well, not 24-7, all day. And, um, oh my God, man, it's so great to go back to um, putting in my contact. I can see in the freaking shower. <laughs> uh, I have, like, really bad vision. And I can't drive uh, without without uh, my glasses on or my contacts. I can't. 
it's like impossible. I can't see far enough to actually drive a car. I'll crash into the oncoming traffic. And um, my vision without correction is the same. If I don't have my glasses on or contacts, my vision is the same as a legally blind person. Um, it's pretty bad. And the um, uh, swimming, well, swimming, yeah, it's kind of, goggles kind of mess up your vision a little bit on, in the water. But uh, it's just so nice to get up in the morning and go run, to be on the bike and not have to worry about getting um, uh, sweat all in my glasses. I can actually just, oh, I can wear sunglasses again so easily. I've been actually avoiding daylight and the sun, uh, sun as much because trying to protect my eyes because, uh, not doing as much in the middle of the day or in the bright light, um, because I needed to, um, protect my eyes because I'm just wearing glasses instead of, uh, if I wear contacts then I can wear sunglasses, which is way different. So anyway, that's a new thing with, with me going back to, uh, being able to go back to wearing contacts is such a, such a glorious thing <laughs> for an active person. That's always like swimming and biking and running. Anyway, I, I was at the eye doctor. I was like, God, this is the best. Thank you. You wouldn't believe how much I use. I need contacts uh, compared to somebody that's compared to just myself. You know, if I'm just like not doing anything that day, um, the difference is amazing. All right. That's now that's it. I'm going to go inside and have some dinner out. Bang. Oh my God, I am so unbelievably, unbelievably happy and excited this morning. I should name the date. What is it? December 18th. I got up this morning and walked and I had zero pain in my feet and my right calf was not tight unlike, you know, forever before. I am finally, fine. I mean, like it was zero, zero. And the first time I actually felt a tiny little bit of pain, I went and weighed myself, which is a good habit to see if you're, oh my God. To see how dehydrated you are, you know, and make sure you're not, you know, killing yourself somehow or doing something stupid. Went and weighed myself and then walking out of the bathroom, I got no shoes on, which gives you like no support. And I was uh, stepping off kind of with a twist or something like that. And I felt the very, 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 very slightest twinge in my, the arch of my foot towards my heel. And I was like, oh, well, there's just, I mean, it was like barely noticeable. What I do is I put that in my notes that I was actually feeling for it. I was like hyper aware and I noticed it. Sorry, coffee. And that leads to another thing is I document every day a repeating task in Todoist. Todoist.com It's a really great um, productivity daily task project management piece of software that works on every platform cross and it updates across all platforms. So if you come up with an idea while you're running, you can stop and type it in <laughs> like oh my god I need to turn in this report at work 
or whatever. Let's not talk about work. That's not fun. And, oh my God, I need to buy new shoes for my wife for Christmas. You know, there you go. That's more fun. And the, uh, anyway, you can have repeating tasks. They can repeat them on a schedule, like daily, weekly, monthly, every three days. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Quarterly. So I have a daily task called injury, injury report or injury status or something like that. And in it, I document anything that hurts. And that way I can have a, um, I can look back and you can search, you know, your notes. So I can say, you know, uh, so lately uh, my left hamstring started getting a weird pain just randomly, often on just like a, a sharp twinge, just randomly throughout the day for like many days, let's say a week, it was doing it. Just ding. And after a couple of days of it, I was like, man, I need to document this in case this gets worse. I need to know when it started. And then I can go back and look at, you know, my training log and see how much I've, uh, what did I do running wise or biking wise that made this thing happen? Anyway. So I put all kinds of things in there. Left elbow hurts while swimming. Left sh- Oh, lately my left shoulder got a little bit of a twinge in it. So that's in there. Anyway, every day I figured out like a year ago, two years ago, maybe it's been going on forever um, to phrase it like this waking and walking. So plantar fasciitis and mad calf shows up after your, after especially if you've been sleeping, but if you've been laying down for a long time, uh, driving a long time, stuff like sitting for a long time, and then you stand up and start walking, everything's all tight. If you've got an injury there, everything's all tight. And when you stand up, it hurts. And then it loosens up over time. Well, it shouldn't, even though it loosens up over time, it shouldn't even... Got to merge. It shouldn't even be there in the first place because you can compare it to your other leg. You're like, this ain't right. Hold on, coffee sip. And I, uh, I've noticed a few times over the past week that I'll get up from sitting for a long time, like sitting at my desk at work or driving into work, you know, or in the car or something like that. And I'll be like, after a few minutes, I'll be like, oh, you know, I just remembered. I forgot. I'm injured. I didn't even notice when I stood up and started walking. And, but that's over something that's, um, you know, just sitting for a few minutes to like maybe half an hour or something like that. Still, you know, getting up in the morning and uh, after laying, laying down for a long time, um, strong pain in the foot and and uh, tightness in the right calf and this morning was the first time in a in years two years something like that I got up and started walking after being asleep and I felt nothing nothing not a thing and I was like oh my god so 
So Todoist allows you to put in uh, emoticons. So I do smiley faces for, um, for positive or negative. Smiley face, frowny face. And that's an easy, quick way to look through your notes and see good day, bad day. I do it for lots of th- different things. So in the notes, on oh, the notes are timestamp on a repeating task. So I was like, I, I can't wait to sit down <laughs> and write this note. And basically, smiley face is like, it's kind of meh, but it's on the positive side. No face is just kind of just a note. Negative smiley face is things that hurt worse than before. Double, two negative smiley, negative, two, two frowny faces, not a negative smiley face. Two frowny faces, you know, it's like, man, it hurts a bit more than it should. And then, uh, and then I go all the way to three, either direction. Like three happy faces is like, wow, things are so much better, better. It's things have improved a lot and I'm happy about it. I'm like super happy. And this morning I put down, I've never done more than either three or four. And today I think I put in like six. (laughs) I was like, you did it. I put all caps, exclamation points. You did it. You did it. You did it. You did it. No pain, none waking, all caps, waking and walking, no pain. Uh, so that's huge for me. And I also document what I think happened, you know, that created the situation, the improvement or the, um, negativity. And that way I can look back through my notes and see, look for a pattern and stop doing what's not working because this is like totally random. You say, well, just don't run. Well, that's not true. Sometimes I run and it's better. So like today it's better, even though I ran faster than I usually do the past couple days. So that's not what it is. Uh, Because sometimes running actually helps things because it gets blood flow to it and loosens things up. I know, it's wacky. Sometimes biking helps it. Sometimes biking makes it worse. All kinds of crazy stuff. And I was like, okay, so what's going on? So one thing is I wore my new running shoes to work yesterday. And they're, uh, they're, what do you call that? Where they don't have a heel. There's zero slope. I don't know what the hell that's called. God dang it. I can't remember. But anyway, they're flat. But they're running shoes and they're, they're ultra, ultra Escalantes. Zero rise. And they're awesome. I love them. I can't believe I can't remember the name for that. That's like when I couldn't remember Neil deGrasse Tyson the other day. Oh my God. I was like, I know his name. <laughs> it's freaking Neil deGrasse Tyson. Anyway. Um, so I think the cushioning really helped and, uh, let's see. Oh, and the crazy thing is no stretching the past few days. I believe this is either the type of injury or cause I'll try stretching and it'll make things worse. There's so many variables. That's why it's like really hard to tell, you know, run less, but you stretch. Well, then it gets worse. Well, then you run more and you don't stretch and it gets better. So which one was it? And uh, no stretching. And why would that make things better? Over the past few days, I did zero stretching. And I think that stretching, it's either this injury or my injury is at the point where uh, stretching doesn't help it. It actually, um, it actually makes things worse by tearing it. It like reacts, it overreacts to the stretching and goes, oh, you're gonna stretch me? 
I'll show you. I'll show you who's boss. And then it like tightens up and then tears things up. All right. So then the other thing is, um, yeah, cushion shoes. Oh, and the crazy thing was, is last night sleeping, I did not wear the, uh, the night boot, the thing that keeps your foot, um, your, your calf from contracting, which that thing does work. I just forgot to wear it last night. So this is like, my foot is better in spite of not wearing that thing. And, uh, that, that's why I'm like super, super happy. I didn't have to do anything. And I woke up with everything, uh, nice and loose and the way it should feel. Okay. So then I, uh, this morning on my training plan, I had a run. So I started off on my run and I was very careful to not push off too hard on the first. Uh, I had a moment of enlightenment, by the way. I need to, I was like, I don't like calling them hills because I've lived, dude, I grew up in Birmingham, Alabama for a few years and San Diego. I know what hills are. <laughs> Around here, these things barely qualify as hills. I don't want to call them hills and then have somebody that lives someplace place where it's really hilly go, are you freaking kidding me? And, uh, and I was like, oh, an incline. Because in my notes, I was documenting my run. Um, I said I averaged a really good running pace, even though I held back on the first, over the first mile, on the first couple of, I was like, not hills, uh, oh, inclines. I was like, that's it. A little bit, they're little inclines. And if you're not really warm, you're just starting off your run, you're not really warmed up, then um, the mad calf will go, what the hell you doing, bro? And like tighten up. So I held back and then shortened my stride and ran um, uh, smaller steps, which puts less torque on the calf. And then about, I think that's about a mile and a half in, there's a, there's a, what would barely qualify as a hill. And by the time I get to that, then things have loosened up a whole lot better. But at times I've stopped at the top of that and said, but not today, but I've stopped and I've gone, uh, dude, don't push it, relax. Let the calf calm down. All right, I am late to W to the ERK. I gotta go in, got things to do, super exciting. That's gonna be a good day, out, bang. All right, homies, let's wrap this show up. I thought I would cap this with uh, at least one good tip, one good training tip. And if you uh, if you are tired of getting your bottles of whatever kind, doesn't really matter, flasks, any kind of stuff, uh, filled up with uh, their sugary stuff in it, and then they get nasty, uh, but you have like your favorite bottles that don't leak. It's kind of my situation. Or you're not really done with a bottle. You don't feel like washing it because you're lazy and you're tired and you've got other epic stuff to do. Oh, that reminds me, there's something else I wanted to mention. Then uh, there's a trick. As soon as you finish your workout, as soon as you can, put it in your way so that you can't get around it before you really slow down and start surfing the internet or something like that. Take your bottles or bottle 
and put it in the freezer. But there's a specific trick I've learned over time. So you rinse it out, you know, but I'm just saying you rinse it out, uh, but this is like so you don't have to actually clean it every freaking time, you know, because it's not really dirty. You only used it for like a couple hours and it's not actually dirty yet. And you're just filling up the dishwasher, wash, wasting time washing stuff. Uh, rinse it out, and then put the lid back on it so you don't. So you keep the bottle and the lid together, and put it in the freezer. Now the freezer will not let nasty stuff grow on it because a freezer is a preservative. It's not going to let things happen. It brings life to a standstill. Mold tries to grow and it goes ah and dies and or doesn't even get started because it's cold in here. I'd rather be somewhere else. And it works. That's really great. And the reason you put the lid on your bottle or your flask is so that you um, make sure you you wipe around the the nipple of the whatever you're drinking out of so that uh, you get that. God, there's a layer. There's a name for it. The slime layer bacteria that starts growing on stuff wipe that off get that off that's that's nasty and but anyway if you don't put the lid on it then you're gonna lose your lid you know lids lids and bottles are like pairs of socks you're like i've got this one pair of sock that's from trainer road or this bmc cycling kit and then i've got another sock that's from uh, you know another cycling kit and they kind of match but they don't really they're both red <laughs> but they don't say the same thing on them so if you want to keep your, your lid and your bottle together you put the lid on the bottle now there's a problem is that for your next workout that you're going to use those bottles you go I want this bottle pull it out of the freezer well it's frozen shut and now you're wasting water trying to melt the uh hot water trying to melt the ice so that you can open up this bottle so the trick is you put the lid on all the way and then unscrew it some and then uh, you'll be able to unscrew it and like a, you pull your bottles out of the freezer and then set them on the counter and in a minute or two they will um, the air temperature will thaw them out enough so that you can um, unscrew the lid of the bottle and start making your fuel that you want to put in there. Otherwise, your bottle's going to be frozen shut for quite a while, and it gets really annoying. So that's trick two. So one, put them in the freezer. Two, don't put the lids on all the way. Put the oh, Two, put the lid with it. Three, don't put the lids on all the way. But four, this is critical too, do close the lid, the nipple part of the lid, all the way. Uh, shut because that is one of the parts that's going to take the longest to unfreeze but if it's if it's shut if it's open you're not going to be able to close it because there's ice kind of half blocking the uh, the valve and stuff like that so you want to close that valve all the way before you put it in the freezer so then let's say you're doing like a Gatorade mix in your bottle you're doing like powder and water or something like that Put your powder in, put your water in. You, you, you screw the lid back down. Well, the valve is actually frozen shut, but it's shut. So now you can uh, screw the lid back down all the way and then shake it. 
I'm behind a Tesla right now. And then you can shake it up and it'll, uh, so you can start mixing stuff and not be fighting with a valve that's half open and you can't close it because it's frozen. <laughs> okay, so there's all that. Uh, another thing I remembered was um, I got a lot of comments on my Instagram video about how I don't, I went back out and finished a run because I had a crappy run and I quit. And I said, I don't like to quit things. I go back and do stuff. I either, I either start all, I either finish it or I start all over again. And people said, oh my God, that's your, uh, you're channeling your inner David Goggins. And I was like, yeah, David Goggins is a badass. He's a former Navy SEAL of, uh, of course he would say something, you know, like pretty badass and, uh, like that, you know? And then a week later, I, uh, I'm listening. I downloaded his audiobook because it's all in the press right now. And I started listening to it and I'm on chapter or whatever, but he's, he's talking about doing these pull-ups and he failed. He was trying to lose weight and get strong for, uh, so he was lean enough to join the Navy SEALs cause he got fat. Uh, and he said he failed doing his pull-ups and he, I think he said something like he went out to his car to drive home and then he turned around and goes, I'm going to go back and do it again. I'm going to start all over again and do it again. Uh, cause that's what I do. Cause I'm a badass. And I was like, oh, that's why people are saying I was uh, being like David Goggins. Um, the thing is, is I didn't read that first or listen to it in an audio book um, and then go and then start saying that. I did my thing first and people thought I was channeling David Goggins. But my point is, is anybody can be a, not the, anybody can be kind of like a David Goggins it's a mindset. I already had the mindset, at least for that one thing, uh, that I was going to, you know, finish what I started and you can too, right? You don't have to be some crazy ass Navy SEAL and ultra running distance champion to have that kind of mindset. He had that mindset before he became so successful at that stuff. And that's available to you too. I mean, I was showing that I had it and I've heard other people say the same kind of things. Um, so I, one, I love the compliment that I was channeling my inner David Goggins kind of dude. That dude is freaking nuts and awesome. So that's cool. Uh, but another thing I just wanted to mention that, um, I wasn't copying him <laughs> and you don't have to, you can copy him, but it's available out there for everybody to be like that, you know, uh, and it comes from experience. It comes from challenging yourself and and uh, doing really, really hard stuff and failing and then trying over and over again to uh, finish. All right. I think uh, I'm at I'm at W to the ERK and um, we'll put a button on this with uh, mentions of uh, sponsors and the, and the uh, how to get hold of me. All right. Out. Bang. All right. So that's a podcast. Ooh, you can follow and catch up and chat with me and our friends, all of our friends that are Zentri fans and buddies, workout buddies, by going to zentriathlon.com. You can see all the shows listed there. You can play them right from the website, zentriathlon.com. And you just kind of Google Zentri. And also on Instagram and Twitter, I am Zentriathlon. I take lots of pictures and videos and talk about stuff out there. 
And yeah, that's how you can find me. I am full up on coaching right now. I'm booked. So if you uh, want coaching, um, we're going to have to hold off just a little bit until I can get things a little bit more under control and make some, make some more spots for everybody else out there. And let's see, we've got, uh, go check out Amrita Bars, their sponsor, Amrita, A-M-R-I-T-A. They're all vegan and use seeds instead of nuts. Uh, like I said earlier, we got Speedhound on the uh, queue here. We're going to interview that the uh, company owner. Pretty, he, he and I had like an hour-long phone conversation. It was really cool. And I've got some recovery boots I'm going to start uh, trying out. And Salt Stick is another sponsor. Oh, and then there's my, uh, there's one of my coworkers over there. And yeah, that's it. All right, everybody stay safe out there. Work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down, out.